0: everybody and welcome to the Aggie Bill Alleycats podcast where come rain, shine or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards right alongside Connor Balthasore. And today we actually have a surprising amount to talk about because we finally entered August and folks, this is the last month. July was the last month without any college football. We're getting into the home stretch and it is i believe it's either 30 or 29 days until k state officially kicks off for their first game against south dakota the coyotes so we're we're really getting into the home stretch here But before we get too deep into that, we still have a lot of news to cover in the meantime. From the top to bottom, we're going to be covering football recruiting, then a little bit of casketball recruiting, and then fall camp stories that we are going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks, because that started up yesterday as of recording. And then, of course, you know it, you love it. It is the wacky segment of the week. But let's firstly just go ahead and dive right into football recruiting, brought to you by the official Aggieville Cats merch store. If you want to support, spite, oh no, financially support the show, check out the official Aggieville Cats merch store where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Neon Cats, and Doomtang Clan. And the first and foremost story, we're not going to spend much time on it. Getting it out of the way, there is someone who decommitted. We're not saying his name. We're not going to give the attention-seeking behavior any merit. That's all I'm going to say.
1: It is what it is. Move on. Stop tweeting at recruits.
0: Yeah, no. Stop doing it. That,
1: that is all I have to say about it because it's been a week at this point by the time that uh, this gets uploaded. So yep. no reason to air it out any further.
0: Yep, nope. it's already been talked oh. about. Time to move on. The next bit of news is actually a string of three commitments, and the first one was actually after Connor and I <laughs> left left a movie. We were discussing the movie, and then suddenly, no wait, no, 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 it was tweeted in the middle of us watching the movie. That
1: <laughs> yeah, was uh, yeah, because we we exited the theater, and the whole thing was already over by the time that we like, realized it was even happening. So,
0: yep. <laughs> But that is the commitment of three star on rivals defensive end Chidi Obiazor or Obiazor, a six five and two hundred and forty pound defensive end from Eden Prairie, which is a prolific program in Minnesota, which produced the likes of Boye Mafe, and among several other players. And yeah, what do you have on Chidi? Uh, Chidi
1: Obiazor, he's a three star on rivals. uh, was more well known for his basketball, especially if you go through his Twitter, it'll just be like some casual highlights from my like dropping 30 in a basketball game as like a 6'5, 240 pound individual, which is really terrifying. Mm-hmm. And also probably partly explains why he's flown under the radar so much because it seems like he may have had a basketball focus up until recently, which understandable if you're dropping 30, but he uh, has some pretty limited tape, I think is a fair way to describe it. It seems like there must've been like a mid season injury or something like that, because there's not a lot of uh, fields in his highlight tape. And uh, I I think that it it seems like he, he probably missed a big chunk of the season and his tape is especially kind of what it looks like. It's the latter part of the season. The the tape is pretty okay. Um, There's, he's clearly an unbelievable athlete, but he definitely has a long way to go. uh, Technically which granted I'm not too worried about Buddy Wyatt or Coach Tui, uh, with t- at least with technical coaching. So I uh, don't have a ton to say about him now, just because there's not a ton that we know about him. Uh, interesting thing to mention though, uh could be relevant later in his recruitment, is that his older brother is a defensive back at TCU right now. Uh, I was a JUCO guy that ended up there. So TCU enters the picture then that, he could be maybe the, he, he might end up at TCU. I don't really know. I don't want to speculate too much on that because I don't know like how serious that connection would be. Yeah. But yeah, clearly another high athletic upside ad, uh, for this staff. Um, we've seen that with Ryan Davis and Austin Romain and RJ Lester already. And JDOBA is another great example of this. Um, it'll be really interesting to see a senior tape, I think. Because that's going to really tell the story on the type of player that we're getting, just because there's a, such a lack of evidence of like anything, really, from his uh, uh, his junior tape.
0: Yeah, and he's a he's a camp offer, if I'm remembering correctly. And mm-hmm. the number one thing that struck out with me is that, yeah, no he he looks like a Division one player. He has the frame of a Division one player already. So really all he needs is that technical training. He needs to learn for, for want of a better term, he just needs to learn how to be a pass rusher. And I have the utmost faith that he can put it together because if he is a high school junior weighing in at 6'5, 240, to and also has a legit basketball ability, I am not, one bit worried about his athleticism and that's one of the most important parts of being an edge rusher or a defensive end in this team depending on where he's going to play is you have to be at least a plus athlete either that or you have to be ridiculously technically sound but outside of that he he has a lot of potential and if he lives up to that potential he will be extraordinarily dangerous I don't know if it'll be more as a speed rusher who will line up as wide nine or if it will be if they ask him to bulk up a little bit and ask him to play a more four-eye or five technique on the defensive line, similar to what Felix does. But he's someone that can easily be molded. And that's something that this staff really enjoys. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So the... Welcome to the family, Chidio But I'll pronounce it differently every time until eventually I get it right. And the next one is another name that is somewhat difficult to pronounce. And that is another defensive line commit from Chicago, in fact. And that is Asher Tomaszewski, a 6'4", 275 nose tackle, question mark, from <laughs> Chicago. I believe it's... I'm not even going to try and remember the school. I think it's... I think- I think it was Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, which got me confused because there's a cape in Mount Carmel, and that's where Will Anseau is from. But in terms of Asher, what do you have on him? Um, Arguably less, but in a different sort of way. Um,
1: He's a two-star right now on Rivals. Uh, The reason there's not a lot of film on him at Nose Tackle is because he actually has extensive tape at left guard. But we can still draw some conclusions from that. Um, and the big one is that he's got pretty good lateral movement. Uh, he has a few highlights, especially where he's uh, pulling or at least moving down the line and uh, shows good athleticism uh, to get down the line quickly. And he shows a little bit of that in his defensive tackle slash those tackle highlights as well. But those are few and far between. So I think that we're making another projection here. Just a big athletic guy with a nice frame to build into. That we're hoping can get from 275 to probably like 320-ish, I would imagine. Uh, Hopefully it could get higher than that, but I don't think we're going to push too hard uh, to get much higher. Um, Similar build uh, to Eli Huggins. Uh, He's a really nice uh, foundational player to build on. It's also nice to get a nose tackle in the class because there haven't been many targets, and we did miss out on DK Kalou, who committed to Baylor.
0: Which so I, I can't like, blame a nose tackle for committing to Baylor. I can't yeah, do that.
1: I, after Siaki Ika existing, you really can't be too upset about that ever. But I, I like him uh, mainly because there's there's not a lot to really go out and dislike about his film. He definitely needs technical work. Right now, he's more of just a big guy that exists, which granted, that's half of being a nose tackle. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he's got a lot of weight to put on. But again, still a junior in high school. A lot of room to grow with this frame. Um, Also kind of another prospect that's kind of flown under the radar. We kind of had a string of prospects right now that uh, don't have any power five uh, offers listed on their profiles. Astro Tomaszewski fits that as well. It's interesting because he's kind of in Big Ten country, kind of in the heart of Chicago. But I don't know. I'm interested in the uh, type of talent he is. Another camp offer as well. Uh, What do you have to add about him?
0: The main thing that I have to add for him. Okay. I have to get this joke out of the way. If you ever go on the foundation, this, this is the type of player that the foundation loves because if he's not getting significant time at offensive line, the first response is, can he play defensive tackle? The answer is almost always no. However, we are going to make the transition in high school now. So it's okay. But outside of that, the number one thing that popped to me just looking at, admittedly, his few nose tackle highlights and the few times that he was even lined up as a defensive end was he's really, really good at one thing. And that is playing zone runs, which is a very odd thing for you to be good at in high school, because a lot of playing zone runs is not necessarily being better than any one player on the field or the one person you're blocking. It's just knowing how to flow with the play. (laughs) Yeah. Which, hey, if he knows how to do that, that's great. And again, he's a camp offer. And something that I've seen floated around a little bit and something that I realized is that if he actually builds into his frame, he's a pretty solid comparison for Eli Huggins. So you know, hey, if we're getting even three-quarters of Eli Huggins, no, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it.
1: Yep. And that's not even something that I think is too crazy of a thing to say because K-State does have a pretty solid history of bringing in very under-recruited uh, prospects at defensive tackle slash nose tackle and turning them into really good players. That goes back to guys like uh, Travis Britz, Bo Geary, uh, Trey Deshaun, uh then Eli Huggins right now, uh, and even Timmy e. Horn uh, as a grad transfer. Um, nice history there of being able to find diamonds in the rough at that position. Uh, hopefully, uh, there's some guys in the roster like that as well right now, like Isaiah uh, you say, Omalo, um, maybe Damian Il-O-Leo. Um, But yeah, I like adding Asher Tomaszewski uh, just as a kind of a project in terms of uh, physique. But there, there's a, some interesting traits there to track and see how they develop.
0: So, welcome to the family, Asher. So, the last football commit is Simon McClan, McLannan, sorry, a five star kicker and punter from the state of Nebraska. Now, you may be asking yourself, why are you covering the off? Why are you covering kickers and punters? Because specialists are people too. And we have a meme about Ty Zetner. So we kind of like I personally feel obligated to give love to the kickers and punters who commit to K-State.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, don't have a ton to say about him other than the fact that he's a five star. The 22nd rated kicker, the 19th rated punter in the country uh, pulled him out of Nebraska, I think from Omaha, as I recall um got him from I, I was looking at his uh cole's kicking profile it looked like he had offers from nebraska and maybe penn state because penn state was listed but there were also asterisks next to uh k-state and nebraska i didn't know what that meant maybe like,
0: high interest possibly
1: um i i didn't really know what to do with that but penn state was listed as at least someone was sniffing around uh k-state and nebraska seemingly were kind of the big
0: two schools there
1: uh I don't know if I'd go as far to call it a recruiting dub, but I won't stop you from doing that.
0: No, I would. We beat Nebraska on the recruiting
1: trail. I will not stop you from saying that. It's not a loss, at least. It's not a loss, which perhaps that makes it a win. true. Welcome, Simon. Uh, Happy to have you. And Also, it's good to lock up that specialist position a little early. I was looking through his stats a little. It looked like he didn't kick a lot of field goals, um, but did punt some, and then also had a lot of kickoffs. So it's probably just a really dominant high school that scores a lot that doesn't really need to kick field goals much. But a lot of touchbacks um, at the high school level, which is nice. uh, Because I feel like it's kind of something that we struggle with sometimes is a kickoff specialist that gets consistent touchbacks. Because it seems like it's never something that K-State's had consistently. So hopefully we can have that more going forward.
0: Yeah. So, welcome the big leg Simon McLannon to the family. More like Simon McKinnon. Ooh, That's going to be a good one. But that pretty much wraps up the football recruiting segment. Now we can get into catsketball recruiting. Um so here's the thing about that. The cat signal was released from Every coach from Jerome Tang to Jareem Dowling to Ulrich Malaghi to Austin Carpenter. We don't know who it is yet. There there are two options. Can't say who. Subscribe to KSO. Uh, We can absolutely say who it is, though. There's crystal balls put in
1: for them on uh, 24-7. So I'm comfortable with saying who it is because that's all public info. Yeah, uh, it these crystal balls are put in on 24 seven as predictions uh, earlier today, uh, one for 2022 uh, graduate transfer Keontae Johnson, former preseason SEC player of the year, um, averaged 14 points and seven rebounds per game last season and had, I think, an offensive rating of about 120, which anything above 100 is really good uh, or is good. Anything above 110 is really great. And 115 is like really, really great. And 120 and up is like elite offensive efficiency. And the other guys, RJ Jones, uh, shooting guard for the class of 2023. So still a high schooler, but he is a four star uh, prospect. 24 um, seven composite puts him at, Uh, 64th ranked nationally, the number 10 shooting guard, Um, 6'3", 175 out of Denton, Texas. Um, Right now holds other Power 5 offers from Colorado, Texas A&M, Cal, Illinois, Notre Dame, OU, Oklahoma State, uh, and TCU, uh,
0: and also USC. Yeah. So we'll start with the first one, which was Keontae Johnson. So, We mentioned, I believe it was last week, that if we got one of the additions that we were speculated to be getting that this this roster is without a doubt a tournament roster, yes, that is who we were referring to. And yes, I still believe that.
1: Yeah, I think this takes us from, I think most K-State fans would agree that this would take us from probably being a bubble team with upside to solidly a tournament team. Uh, assuming everything goes according to plan, not even like exceptionally well, just like it we stay the course. Off. Yeah, that no, we stay the course and get to 20 wins, which that, that looks more and more likely uh, by the day. Keontae Johnson is a game changer. He's that big. I watched some highlights of him earlier today uh, uh, and hope that it would be him, uh, which again, we still don't know if it'll be him or RJ Jones. Granted, they don't affect each other because... Keontae is for this season only. RJ is for everything past this season. Yeah. And so Keontae, incredibly smooth. Um, his three point shot reminds me, in terms of his form, of uh, Desmond Bain. I'm not saying he's the same player, but Desmond Bain was a former standout at TCU, uh, currently a uh, really, really solid player for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, as a similar shot, uh, similar stature, even. Uh, as I recall, he's about 6'6", 20 at the moment. Um, really well built, very strong. Uh, he's got a good outside shot, and he's really good at getting to the bucket as well. He's very smooth uh, driving to the bucket. takes care of the ball well. Um, not a horrible passer, but that's not really his game. He's he's a scorer and a rebounder, pretty much. I mean, he's, he's a three. Um, uh, I, I like him a lot. There's a reason a lot of people like him this much, and it's because he truly is a game changer for a roster. He's going to walk onto the floor and be the best player on the team, uh, if and when he arrives, which I am hopeful but you know we we will see because there there were pretty public reports of his visit uh, over the weekend. Um, but I I really like him. I can't say enough about him as a prospect. I'm trying to think about other K State players to comp him to. Um, His ability to get to the rim is kind of Mark Smith-esque, but he's more smooth, I would say, than Mark Smith. Mark Smith was good at muscling his way to the rim, whereas it seems like Keontae Johnson does have that strength to do that, but doesn't necessarily always have to use it as visibly. Um, doesn't have a ton of mid-range game, um, but we do know that he is an incredible offensive asset. Um, the only downside... With uh, Keontae Johnson, truly is uh, the um, the scare that he had a couple seasons ago, where he collapsed on the court uh, during a timeout against. A, when he he's from he was at Florida, the Florida Gators, and he was there at a game at Florida State, and he collapsed on the court. Had I don't I'm not fully aware of the situation. but I I have heard that he is medically cleared to play. Um, so there is a risk factor there, I guess, but at the same time, if he's been cleared by multiple doctors, then I'm willing to trust their medical expertise. And that Keontae is aware of his own standing and is doing what he's comfortable with. So I'm not going to, until I hear something different,
0: I will not, I'll try not to stress about it too much, but what do you have with Keontae? Really just about everything you said you hit the nail on the head with everything you said there there's a reason why he was so highly regarded wasn't he i think he was an all sec pick as a freshman wasn't he
1: um i believe he was he was at least uh and like like the sec honorable mention or like freshman of the year or something like that um but he's been highly regarded or he was highly regarded at florida um he was uh probably their best player for the first few games of uh, the season back in uh, 2020, 2021. But I mean, like, I mean, I look at his advanced stats for 2020, which was his last uh, full season, 119.5 offensive rating. Uh, his effective fuel goal percentage was 59.6. And all of that went up in conference play, the offensive rating of 125.7. Uh, during conference play, which is elite level. Um, Just all around, there's not really a lot to hate here uh, with Keontae Johnson. Uh, Again, I'm not super experienced with advanced basketball stats. I'm trying my best with them. But uh, at least with he is not a big assist guy, but he does keep the turnovers a little lower, at least from his last big selection of play. Uh, which would have been the 19 and 20 season, but I mean, a, a lot to like in terms of potential. I think he immediately raises the ceiling of this team.
0: Yeah. So, like like we said at the very beginning, this if he is the person that gets added, it is almost certainly elevating this roster to where it should be a tournament team. And honestly, I think it is a tournament team that is equipped to potentially not make it to the finals. Um, I don't project a first-year head coach and a first-year coaching staff to go all the way to the finals or even the final four. I don't see us being eliminated in our first round. And I could see us going into the second round. Yeah,
1: I, I think that that's a uh, a fair statement. I, I don't think that yeah, this is like a team that's primed for a deep run. But I do think that this roster has reached the point of us being able to say it's a, uh, a high-quality uh, uh, roster. Um, it's probably not a contend for the Big 12 title type of roster, but it is a, uh, it's a really good uh, roster. This is probably a middle-of-the-pack uh roster a lot of that again is because uh the big 12 Move is ridiculous it's the best basketball conference uh that there is so there's a it's, a it's a it's an uphill climb for about anybody that's not named Baylor or uh KU right now and KU's they're they're going to be good again coming off a national title Baylor's going to continue to be Baylor so it's a, uh, uh, it'll be tough sledding. But yeah, I, I think that it, we're at the point where we can pretty comfortably say that if Keontae Johnson does end up committing to K State, which we are hopeful that he could be the, uh, the other uh, cat signal, which again, he might not be.
0: Yeah.
1: We're, we're speculating because there's, there's another option, but he, uh, he, he really could be uh uh, the elevator
0: uh, for this team, yeah, and the other option is R. j. Jones, who is on a visit to Manhattan as of now. I don't think he's left yet, but um, yeah, he's he's visiting, got the crystal ball projection you mentioned him earlier, all the the rundown and his recruiting, a top ten shooting guard. And again, that's just a really big piece to be adding along day day Ames for the twenty three recruiting class. Because I don't think Ish or Marquise can come back next year. So just adding more pieces, regardless of position, is still important for making sure that the roster stays together.
1: I do think Ish could come back. Um, Not 100% sure about uh, Marquise. I, I think this might be it for his eligibility. But don't quote me on
0: that necessarily.
1: I do think Ish could come back though, uh, as far as I know.
0: But yeah, that's unless you have anything else to say about Catskabal recruiting. Um No, I don't. I don't. I wish I had more to say about
1: RJ Jones. Um I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch any of his film yet. So I, I can't sit here and like comfortably say anything other than uh, he is highly regarded by several recruiting sites uh, would be a, a complimentary addition. Uh, the second guy in the class, along with Day-Day Ames, I like that they're filling uh, the uh, the backcourt with uh, uh, some really high-level prospects. But again, we, we will just have to see uh, what happens. Uh, it might be today. And again, we know the staff has put out cat signals for guys that don't commit for like two weeks. So. Yep. It
0: was such a weird time doing two episodes. Like, yep, there's a cat signal. Still don't know who it's for, though. <laughs> yeah, that wraps up Catskip recruiting and recruiting in general. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit and go back to football because football camp just started up. Fall camp, or I believe it's still summer camp technically because fall starts in mid-September. But... I think of it as fall camp because the season takes
1: place in the fall and it's, prepar- it's a camp in preparation for fall.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how uh, I that's, view it. That, as well. but,
1: that's how I'm going to reconcile it in my head, and I
0: also don't care enough to really make a statement about it being in the summer. Yeah, like, there they've released, I believe, two videos the, so far, and yeah, I they're very good videos as always. The K State video team always does an amazing job with them, but. Today, we're going to be talking about the top three things that you're either going to be looking for in the videos or looking forward to and listening very closely when any questions are asked. We'll go back and forth because we do have three different answers and we're just going to do a top three for each. I'll go first. And to me, the most pressing question I have is who plays who plays what safety spot? This is something that we mentioned all the way back in the preview episode where we did the depth chart. Go back and listen to that if you have, if you're just looking for more K State content, especially since fall camp has started up. But every day it feels like my opinion on this changes because, you know, I'm obviously, I adore Drake Cheatham as a true free safety. Strong safety will probably either be TJ or Kobe Savage. Jack safety linebacker probably ends up being Josh Hayes. But then I I don't know that. It could just as easily be Sincere Mason at strong safety or at Jack. It could be TJ gets snaps at Jack. It could be TJ's the free safety. We don't know. And that's just something that I'm... Really interested in hearing about because even at Big 12 Media Days, Chris Kleiman said that safety was kind of their biggest question mark right now, which makes sense. Given that only two of the options have played in this system before and one of them got hurt last year. Yeah, Um,
1: my first uh, thing that I'm looking for, pretty similar to yours. In fact, it would be exactly the same. I didn't want to differentiate it a little bit, but I was able to find a way to differentiate Um, and it's who separates as like the standout safety that we have this year, last year, down the stretch, Russ East really proved himself as the best safety on the, uh, the roster, even though we did have guys kind of also step up down the stretch, like Ross elder, um, this year we have a pretty much completely different crop with the exception of TJ Smith, who remains, um, but I'm wondering who will be kind of the guy in the safety room. I'm inclined to say Kobe Savage right now, um, but I mean, again, like who knows? A piece might be the strong. I be the Jack with how athletic he is. Um, then you also have to uh, question other guys like Josh Hayes, who comes in as a grad transfer, and then also Drake Cheatham, who like Ace, I think has a really high ceiling this year, and is someone that's kind of flying under the radar, uh, and may end up having a similar year to Reggie where he really makes the most of his opportunity to prove himself in his one year of Power 5 football. So who separates as the guy in the safety room, if anybody? It may just be a solid unit top to bottom that doesn't have one star, which would be kind of an outlier from uh, the rest of the team where it kind of seems like every unit kind of has their guy that really stands out. Uh, But the secondary is... Seemingly been a bit more of a unit uh, than the rest of the team in terms of uh, quality, uh, safer last year, I suppose. Russ East was really the guy
0: there, but that's my, uh, my first thing that I'm looking for. Yeah. And I agree with you there. If, if you were to put a gun to my head, just with how high I am on sheet, I would say he's probably the standout safety, but don't sleep on either Josh Hayes or Kobe Savage. But again, we don't, we don't know who's even starting. So, Yeah. So my second thing that I'm going to be looking for is, does anyone truly emerge at the receiver position? Because yeah, we have a pretty good idea of who the top three receivers are going to be. It's going to be Malik Knowles, Philip Brooks, and Cade Warner. I'm looking for someone to and it could be any one of those guys to emerge as a true alpha receiver or just someone that takes that next step up, whether it be someone like Keenan Garber, someone like RJ Garcia, just someone that is able to step up and really improve their game and improve this offense. Because this year, as well as last year, I felt like one of our biggest question marks on a week-to-week basis was how is our wide receiver core going to perform? And you saw it in games last year, like the Oklahoma State game, with the first drive where two touchdowns were dropped. And that can't happen this year. If you're going to be a team that wants to push for a Big 12 title, you can't have those games and you can't have those performances. So I'm looking for which one person in particular is willing to step up and be that either that alpha receiver or make their way into a legitimate, legitimate option at the Big 12 level. And if I had to pick someone that I was guessing. I would almost certainly say R.J. Garcia, just because of the amount of talk that he's gotten in times he's been completely unprompted brought up.
1: And is this for emerging someone that we don't know as much about
0: or just just, you're
1: picking a guy that you really like
0: here? I'm picking a guy that I really like, and it's it's someone that I just expect to to step up. So, for example, Malik is the wide receiver one right now, the X receiver. I want him a step up for him would be a legit like alpha receiver, like a go and get it guy. I see.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. RJ is a a fun pick there. If it is RJ, I think that this offense has a really great season. Um, Just because in my mind, RJ stepping up means that the rest of the receiver room is probably having a better season uh, than they had last year. It's like Malik, maybe, increases his yardage total by 200. Uh, Phillip probably does about the same or stays where he was. Um, Cade Warner probably eclipses 250, uh, maybe 300, gets a touchdown. Um, So yeah, I I like that question. Uh, It's a a really good one. Um, I went with a, for my second thing I'm looking for, I went with a different offensive group. And I'm curious who's going to be backing up Deuce Vaughn this season. Um, Because I think that I think that you could get a different answer for this at the end of fall camp and at the midway point of the season, uh, depending on how things go. Um, Because right now, the two big candidates are Anthony Freas and uh, DJ Giddens. Um, Frias, of course, the junior college transfer out of Modesto, California. And then you have DJ Giddens, who's now a retro freshman. And there's been a ton of whispers and rumors about how great he's been. But we're yet to see him get on the field. So I'm really intrigued to see if Giddens, uh, I guess, on the field this season, uh, or if it's going to be Frius that's getting the lion's share of those spell snaps. Uh, I think if you ask me today, I would say Frius. But it might be that we see Giddens start to take more and more of those over the course of the season, or he gets worked in more and more over the course of the season. I'm interested regardless. Just because I do think that Deuce, just in my opinion, I don't know anything. I think, in my opinion, he's probably declaring for the draft after this year.
0: At least I would if I was him.
1: Uh, So I'm I'm interested to see what we have behind him for next season.
0: Yeah. And I I think I'd agree with you in that I I do think it's freest all the way, but I do think it kind of turns into a 2A-2B situation. I don't think there becomes as much separation as there was between, like, last year, Joe Urban and Jacardier. I, yeah. I don't think there's that level of separation between the two at the midpoint.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. Um, which, granted, Jacardier did kind of cost the OU game, like, five minutes in. Uh, granted, we did have shots get back in there, but he really put us in a tough spot because we knew we had to be perfect every possession. Uh, so Joe really what uh, got out ahead um, by the end of the season. Um, and jacardi was sent to the shadow realm, sadly. <laughs> um, never saw him again.
0: Never saw him again. Now he's at Missouri State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what is your uh, third thing you're looking for, Ace? My third and final thing that I'm looking for is who in the defensive and rotation breaks through to be the first off the bench? Because obviously we have our one line pretty well figured out. It's going to be Felix. It's going to be Eli Huggins, and it's going to be Nate Matlick. Those are probably going to be the first three guys on your one line in a three-three-five. I'm curious about who the two line is going to be, because you have pretty solid options. You have Boom Massey coming back for one more year. You have I, wait, is he coming back? I think I saw him tweet about camp. Maybe he's not, but maybe no. I'm thinking about someone else. I'm sorry. He did tweet about seeing people in camp for one more time, though. Oh, I see. Hmm. Which, maybe, maybe he's like
1: around the program or something. Maybe
0: he could be. but Because, yeah, I think last year's his COVID
1: season. But I think yeah, you're thinking of Huggins coming back.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of Huggy Bear coming back. And I, I just got cross-eyed there. But whenever you look past the first line, it kind of gets muddy for who the depth is going to be. Because you have Cody Stufflebean playing third, third position. <laughs>
1: Uh, I th- I think you're right. Because uh, he started as a tight end, was a defensive end, then was a defensive tackle. Now he's back at defensive end, I think.
0: So he's back to his second position. But yeah. it, outside of Stufflebean, I'm struggling to come up with names at defensive end. Which, granted, if you would have told me, if I didn't go to the open practice last year and you told me like Nate Matlick at the beginning of the season, I probably would have looked at you and asked who that was. But <laughs> just who's yeah. going to be that first guy off the bench because we do have a lot of rotation in this three, three, five system, but third downs is when it really matters. So we get all of our best guys out there, but I'm more curious for who's in on second downs because that's just an unknown to me. So that's a fair question. What, what would you say is, is your third question you're looking into?
1: Uh, I have a similar question, just a different position group, and it's who is in the second unit for the corners? Because we obviously have Julius Brantz and Echo Boydow as the uh, one group. Uh, Those two are obviously the best cornerbacks on the roster, so there's no getting around that. But then the question question arises, who is backing them up? Um, I think there's probably one guy that you can pencil in as being first guy off the bench, and that's Jordan Wright. I like him just because he's a JUCO guy, so he's more experienced. Uh, he was hotly recruited. K-State wins that recruitment. He's probably going to come in and be somebody that's more ready than I think people expect. So I, I, I'm i comfortable saying that Jordan Wright is that uh, first guy off the bench, but then who's number two? Um, there's a few guys that you can list there. Omar Daniels is probably a popular pick, but then you also have guys like Darrell Jones. And then you also have a guy like uh, uh, Justice Clements. Uh, another junior college transfer. Um, you can even go further to a guy like Jacob Parrish, who probably is not ready yet, but has been mentioned quite often in the media. So he's maybe someone that gets a spot snap or two every now and then just to get him some game action, especially if they think his ceiling is as high as it is, which to be fair with his athletic potential, it probably is that high. Yeah, you know, It's just a matter of attaining it. But that, that's something I'm interested in tracking. It um, may end up being more cut and dry that I'm giving a credit for. It might just be Jordan Wright and Omar Daniels, and I'd say if that makes sense and call it a day. Um, but I, I'm more interested to see if um, like a third party emerges there that we're not
0: necessarily expecting. Yeah. I'd say the second line is definitively uh, Jordan Wright is 2A and then 2B split between Omar Daniels and Darrell Jones.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably the most likely outcome um, for when the second unit of corners uh, gets on the field. But then again, you know, we'll see. Echo Boyda wasn't on the depth chart in 2020 when he uh, got his first start against OU. And now he's one of the best corners of the conference. So
0: True. You never know. You never know. So, yeah, those are the three things that we are looking for most, just looking at either videos or any time that coaches are asked questions. I believe K-State has its own media day, doesn't it? Um, or at yeah, least they, they open do, it up to media.
1: They they have uh, something, I think. I'm not sure when it is. I really hope they have an open practice. I'm not crossing my fingers for it because it hasn't been announced yet, so I, I don't imagine that there will be one. I will be very sad about it anyways, but um, they, there's generally some sort of like media practice that they have. Um, I'm not sure when that would be. And then they they also do have like scattered uh, media outings where they'll have position groups and uh, position group coaches uh, climb and meeting with the media on various days here and there. So hoping the first one is here soon. Uh, This episode is going up on a Friday, so maybe it'll be Fridays or something,
0: but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. We're almost to football season, folks. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride there. So now we can get to the final segment of every week, which is, of course, the wacky segment of the week. And we're going to be doing something that's been picking my brain a little bit. If you could add one historical K-State player to this roster to play this year, who would you pick? And you are getting them in their college form. And I believe we both probably have the same answer. I think there will be outsiders who will, or like outliers, I should say, who would say something like safety Ty Zimmerman, linebacker Arthur Brown. Maybe trade a Sean to get a little bit more rotation at nose tackle. Maybe you'll get a weird Duke Shelley out there. I feel like you and I have the exact same answer though, and I feel like it's the answer of the majority. You can go ahead and take this. Yeah. Uh we're rolling with Tyler Lockett. Um, and I to me it's obvious,
1: not because the receiver room is bad, but because they do lack Uh, the true burner down the field that can get separation and be an excellent route runner as I really like Philip Brooks, but that's just not his game. Uh, Tyler Lockett would raise the ceiling of this team immensely. Uh, His abilities at receiver were absolutely phenomenal. I must say it was very fun to watch him in 2014 be bracketed all game and still get 200 receiving yards. Um, It simply did not matter because we were force feeding him. Tyler Lockett on this roster as a playmaker would give us a first-team All-Big 12 guy at every offensive position except for tight end because we would get Cooper Beebe on the O-line, Tyler Lockett, receiver. Uh, I guess I'm projecting Adrian Martinez very highly there. But then Deuce Vaughn, <laughs> Deuce Vaughn, a running back. Um, and then I guess uh kick returner, Malik Knowles. Uh, so I, I forgot that Adrian Martinez was not a preseason guy. But you know what? Maybe maybe he'll be a postseason guy. Maybe um, so. I think Tyler Lockett is the obvious pick. I I wouldn't deride someone that picked the safety just to stabilize the room a little bit. Um, I, I think that there's going to be guys that emerge there and will be fine because it's basically in the same state as it was last year, and that room ended up being really solid by the end of the season. So I'm I, I think Tyler Lockett's a really safe pick. You could pick another receiver honestly, and also not be wrong. Tyler Lockett, I think, is just the best one. Uh, Kevin Lockett, you could pick. Jordy Nelson, uh, also a totally fine pick. You can even pick a guy like Brandon Banks uh, if you wanted to, just to get another short, fast guy on the team. Uh, as
0: if we need
1: more. But <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add about uh, Tyler Lockett being added to this year's roster?
0: I don't think we lose a Big Twelve game. <laughs> I, mean, I think that carries yeah. us above Baylor. <laughs> I,
1: I I think you honestly might be onto something there, where. Yeah, having Lockett on this team, like all we would need is for the other receivers on the team to be pretty solid, which they kind of already are. Uh, Like Malik, like, needs to have like a 500 to 600 yard season. Brooks needs to do the same. Uh, Cade needs to be steady. RJ needs to have a bit of a breakout, but nothing crazy or anything. Like 500 or less, like, from RJ is fine. Um, Then tight ends need to. Collectively, have a good year. Deuce needs to be Deuce. Like, that th- that would be a, a absolutely horrifying offense as in defensive coordinator to deal with. We have Deuce coming at you from the backfield, uh Malik Knowles and Philip Brooks underneath, and Tyler Lockett as your uh, deep guy that's simply uncoverable. I mean, you would have to run like cover four deep the entire game, like, and just shadow. Uh, Tyler Lockett all game. And it might not matter. And A, it may not matter. And B, it opens up literally every other aspect of the offense to at least be okay. And that would be enough to win. Especially with what should be a very good defense.
0: Yeah. I will say that I thought of one more sleeper pick, and that is Dalton Reisner at center. Because that would make an absolutely nasty offensive line.
1: (laughs) That would be borderline overkill. On the offensive line I'd say Because I think we're gearing up for a really Really good offensive line this year And just adding yet another NFL draft pick to, to what I consider To be a line of three minimum Future NFL draft picks um, That that would be Just absolutely hilarious to
0: add Another NFL guy hey, hey, That would allow be it. I would allow it it's, that would, <laughs> You're right it's overkill But it'd be very funny <laughs> It would be but yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alleycats Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at AggievilleACats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we are Alleycats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I'm at Connor Balthasar, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Neon Cats, and Doomtang Clan. But most of all, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Cats.